Traveling the Vortex Join Team Gallifrey as they fight the Time War in episode 550. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How, How goes it? Good. How's everybody? I'm good. Not too bad. We do anything this week? Watch anything? Listen to anything? We watched Sisu as our Friday night flick last week. What is Sisu? Never heard of that. It's uh, essentially World War II John Wick an old gold prospector out in the fields and uh he's digging up his claim and then encounters a bunch of nazis who proceed to give him a hard time about it and then get liquefied <laughs> <laughs> it's uber violent and uber cheesy and it packs all of it into just over 80 some odd minutes mm. which is pretty impressive mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> guy hardly speaks Rarely any dialogue. It's just a, a lot of grunting and uh, hucking landmines at people. Oh, it was okay. it was pretty glorious. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Made no bones about it. Watch the trailer and you'll know exactly what you're getting in for. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think we have enough movies where Nazis get liquefied. Other than that, not much. Keith, what about you? We made it out. We made it out to see Guardians of the Galaxy oh, good. three. Yay! What'd you think? I liked it. I didn't love it, but I I liked it. I think it was a good movie. I think it it may be pushed things a little further than I would have liked. It felt very. It felt the most James Gunn of all of the Guardians movies. Like Marvel wasn't pulling him back a little bit, and hmm. I'm not sure that was necessarily a good thing for the <laughs> Guardians. Like it felt. It felt better, like his tone and his visual style that he impl- put into this one felt more aligned with the Suicide Squad that he did, mm-hmm. not as much Guardians that he did previously. So it felt a little little disjointed as far as the visual aspect of it for me. And I have to agree, the soundtrack isn't as good, but I don't think it's bad. It's just different. Yeah. And... I think the movie might have been a little more the brevity of it, the how heavy of a movie it was could have been lightened if he had chosen like different songs and it would have changed the tone and made it, I don't know, a little, a little more fun to watch because a lot of it was pretty difficult. You sound, sound like you watched a different movie than I did. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else? That's all I did. I watched the uh, new Michael J. Fox uh, documentary still. Mm. Man, that is a no-holds-barred peek into his life. And they don't, they, I mean, it's unfiltered as far as, because it, 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 it has him telling his story of how he got into Hollywood and how he became famous and was riding that train and then suddenly is diagnosed with Parkinson's. And first of all, the film does an amazing job of you, and they must have paid a ton of money, of using clips from movies that he's in to Mm -hmm. narratively tell the story. So when he's talking about certain things, a character in a film or a television show will be doing something similar to what he's talking about. And so they've crafted it together where they've they've got a body double from the back for a lot of these and they'll cut to a movie theme to a movie scene. And it's just it is so well done. And then to go as far as because as he's telling this story, we get glimpses into his personal life. And at this point, and when he, they're making this film, he's working with a um, uh, physical therapist in order to continue to be able to walk and and things like that. And, and and it's just, it's brutally honest. He doesn't, they don't hide anything. And it's just a really good movie. I highly recommend it. So, so interesting. And then uh, last week on Tuesday, uh, Caitlin and I went to Kansas City and saw They Might Be Giants in concert. Oh, that's awesome. And this has been two years coming. I've had these, well, three years. I've had these tickets for three years now. 
because of COVID. It's been put off twice and then slightly delayed because uh, one of the Johns, John Flansburg, got into an accident a few months back, back around Christmas, I think it was. Um, but finally got there and Caitlin and I went and it was an amazing show and I loved it so much. And they, I was a little worried because we're, it was supposed to be the flood tour because it would have been the anniversary of flood. And, uh, <laughs> I think 2020 would have been the anniversary. And then, so <laughs> they were going to play, you know, it was just basically it would be flood. And so when it got to this point, I kind of wondered if it was still going to be flood related because they've, they've even released an L an LP since then. And I think they only played one song off the new LP. The rest of it was, well, they played all of flood and then they threw in a few other ones in there that were, uh, from other albums that they did, that they, that they've had. It was so good. But I think one of the cool things that I had never seen this done before is in the first middle of the first set, they said, we're going to, um, we're going to do this song and we're going to do it backwards. And so they did Sapphire and Bullets backwards, like live. And then before they came out for the second set after the break, they had a, they had recorded it and they put it up on a video screen and played it in reverse. And it was correct. Wow. <laughs> it was so well done. I mean, you could tell it was reversed, but it was just that they were hitting the notes. They were hit. You could understand the words. It was just really super amazing. I was, I was so impressed. So, so impressed. They all say who is Doctor Who? Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. And then I did watch something else, and uh, I'm holding on to that because that's going to be our something new two-minute review this week. I picked up Doctor Who on display, Blackpool 1974 to 1985, and I'm going to quickly uh, primer this real quick before I start my timer. It's uh, Real Time Pictures who has released uh, a lot of Doctor Who spinoffs from the 90s up until now. And they've also done, they also do documentaries. In fact, Mythmakers series, I think they're on like number 80 something. Um, they do sort of just behind the scenes and interview stuff. This particular series, Doctor on Display, is uh, a look at a lot of the exhibitions, the Doctor exhibitions that ran throughout the UK in the 80s and 90s or 70s and 80s. Um, so this particular one focuses on Blackpool 1974 to 1985. And this came out last month. And let me get my timer here started. This one, as the title implies, is uh, uh, one that's in the resort city of Blackpool and lasted just more than 10 years. Uh, the video is hosted by Sophie Aldred, and it features interviews with some of the people that were involved in the exhibit, as well as people who visited the exhibit back when it was open. Um, it's a fascinating look at how incredible this exhibit was that featured actual props and costumes from the show. But at the same time, it shows how carefree the BBC and the organizers of the facility were because the displays uh, were basically out in the open, um, admitting to the they admitted to the point that the props probably suffered deterioration quicker because it was under hot lights all the time. And this exhibits in the basement of this uh, facility. And so the dampness uh, probably played into it as well. My only complaint about it is, is that the documentary makers seem to feature the city of Blackpool almost as much as they do this display, which I wanted to see more of, uh, not the city, the display. And at one point, they repeat things about the city is that they just talked about earlier in the film. And so I thought, OK, that's a little weird and disjointed, but I'm going to allow it. But overall, I recommend the film. Um, it's fun to hear about the exhibit and the stories that go around it. And, and from those that had a chance to see it, it's a real cheap, real uh, treat to get a, a glimpse back in time. And then, of course, this film can be purchased as a DVD 
but Realtime has recently been offering some of its output on its website, Time Travel TV, as streamable content that can be rented or purchased through Vimeo's um, uh, program and then uh, can be downloaded, which is what I did. And uh, that's my uh, something new two-minute review. Very nice. Sounds pretty interesting. How long of a... A movie is it? Eighty-two minutes. That's not too bad. Yeah, so just a little over an hour, hour twenty. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss in story order all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. All right, well, let's move on to news. Well, Big Finish has announced that uh, the Eighth Doctor is going back to his roots, as it were. Back to the beginning. Yay! So the next set of stories is going back to the post-regeneration at some point um, with Jay Griffiths debuting as the noblewoman Lady Audacity Montague who is about to be propelled from Regency England to the far future in a war between the Cyberman and the Cybermen and the Vogons. So this is assumedly even before he meets Charlie. But there's going to be two box sets. Uh, and they, Big Finish also makes a point to tease that Jay recently played a friend in Time War Cass mm-hmm. and say, shh, spoilers. So I'll, <laughs> I'm wondering if they're going to tie that in somehow. Yeah, so Sean and I were talking when we were waiting with you for you is that we we sort of maybe wonder if she's in disguise in some way and this actually is a friend possible who knows i'm excited because i think that there's a lot of that era of paul mcgann that that you know obviously when big finish was doing their uh main range in the early days you know every so often they would do a paul mcgann story and then of course they spun him off into his own series but a lot of that was still in the in those early days not too uh long after regeneration but i'm with you keith this sounds like they're kind of even going back post uh lucy miller and charlie and so, what's interesting is they don't specifically call out charlie but they do call out lucy. we're long before lucy miller yeah. so it could could be after charlie could be before charlie we it's don't true. really know until we get a name drop but he does have the, uh, he has a similar outfit on the uh, cover to his, um, well, Bill Hickok um, outfit that he steals from the hospital in the movie, so. Back to the long hair yeah. and frock coat. Yep. Pretty exciting stuff. I'm ready to, uh, ready to give it a listen. Of course, it'll be a, a little bit down the road before we get it, but. Yeah. I like the name of the volume two, In the Bleak Midwinter. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Very poetic title. It is very poetic. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. 
for those of you following along, we're continuing our journey through the Great Time War. And we're about oh, midway through Act 3. And uh, this week we have another Gallifrey story. And it is Gallifrey Time War Volume 4. Hear your Lord President, your Father, as you make this great sacrifice. From Big Finish Productions, Gallifrey Time War, Volume 4. When two mighty armies bend the constellations to become their battlefields, a warrior must decide. We tried to turn back the tide, but failed. Our friends have been taken, one by one. So what is left for us to do? Run? Hide? It does not sit well with a warrior to run. But sometimes, it is the only choice. Or we can resist. But what of the lost, those who fall in battle? Are they condemned to rise time and time again? To take arms against an enemy who never rests? History is written by the winners. In a time war, that history can be rewritten by the losers. No one's truly gone until they're gone from memory. Farewell, my friends. Big Finish. We love stories. Deception. Ramana is lost to the Time War, though Leela and Narvan still fight to survive. A resistance cut between Rassilon's fury and the Dalek Emperor's mania have a desperate plan to stop the conflict. As the resistance scatters, Leela and an unknown ally embark on a rescue, but there are traps for the unwary inside the vortex. Bum bum bum. Mm, me too. Yeah, I thought this one was good. Keith, you want to go first? Uh, Yeah. Um, I like the fact of how it, it picked up pretty much right after the end of the last box set of, oh no, we've left Ramana. Uh, Leela thinks she is, you know, not who she is anymore. And they're kind of on their own and Narvin's plan is, well, let's go. Apparently he knew about this resistance and decided to go, we should probably go join them or at least knew a safe haven to go to. Mm. And the fact that things still kind of hit the fan as soon as they get there, <laughs> and then everyone gets separated, I think is a very clever way to start off the box set. And then sending Leela off with Eris, who you know we previously have met before, but Leela hasn't, was a, a nice dynamic to explore. In addition to the deception fields, which I thought was a pretty clever idea of these huge swaths of traps in the vortex where you run into and it plays you your worst nightmare and you never know it until it's too late and, and notice all... and notice they didn't call them time landmines yeah <laughs> <laughs> not the obvious name right <laughs> although deception field and you know yeah, well. <laughs> seeds you into thinking of something and it's That's, still a little on the nose it is a little but... on the nose but a better name, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I liked Eris and Leela's relationship. Their, their dynamic together, I thought they went off of each other well. Um, yeah, that was just a, a fairly solid story and a good start to the box set. Mm -hmm. I really like Leela's fortitude in this one and how she's standing up to Eris and, and Eris is sort of bumbling his way through trying to explain why he's suited better. And she's not quite taking it the way he's intending, but also he's trying that, his best not to insult her. But exactly. Still her at the same time. <laughs> right. Uh, which I thought was, was fun. Um, and then just, I really kind of felt, especially when she goes into the uh, deception field. And even when the, the, the pair that go in first that, that, that she's going in to try to rescue, I the audio wise that really made the deception field um very frightening and and um kind of mesmerizing. And mm -hmm. so I really I thought the sound design of that was really cool and really well done and very immersive. 
And so I thought that was pretty neat. But yeah, I kind of echo everything else you said. I, I, I like their, I like the fact that we've brought Eris back because, you know, last time we saw Eris, Eris was being um, exiled so or, or sent away to, to get away. And so having had this put together, this resistance made total sense for where his story is now. So. I very much enjoyed the um, setup for things. Um, the deception fields, less so. Um, we can only, I, I feel like we can only have so many, oh, we're trapped in a, a, a mind field void um, kind of thing so often, if that makes sense. Um, so I didn't particularly, I mean, I, I liked the idea of it. The idea was brilliant, but the execution, while I appreciated the sound mix, it just was kind of like, oh, we're, we're stuck in a void and it's playing with our minds and we're doing that again. Eh, okay. Um, <clears throat> but Leela being the one to go and do it, uh, I thought was, was particularly impactful and her nightmares of her dead son mm -hmm. or never mm -hmm. was son, um, was you know uh, definitely an extra you know kind of stab in the heart uh i loved her relationship with eris i thought they uh they clicked really well um and as, as always i i appreciate the political maneuvering of uh of the 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 time lords that are left mm. as as rassilon's <laughs> going further and further around the bend and uh Libya and mantis are uh kind of haven't added <laughs> i did not see livia being the, the contact mm -hmm. for the resistance well i did not see that coming at all i i i didn't see it I coming either have. i didn't see it coming either but it, uh, at the same time it wasn't a surprise because she no. had sort of come around to um romana's side there in the end of that one box set so when the during the assassination attempt so yeah, after my initial shock, I went, oh, well, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And kind of like how it also makes total sense that it was Leela who was able to go into the deception field because not that she's not smart, but her mind is so much simpler mm -hmm. than a Time Lord's that it wouldn't have as big of an effect on her as it would somebody else. I thought that was a clever way to make to work, use that for her benefit. And yeah. To her not because she's simple, but because she's straightforward. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I also think that we have no idea how old these these time lords are, but you get the impression that they're 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 fresh out of the academy. They're fresh out on the front lines, mm -hmm. um, and not that they don't have you know the the wherewithal, but it, she seems to be more suited to go into something like that as well because uh i mean i almost could see any of these green for lack of a better word um time lord soldiers aka you know uh just kind of crumpling like the like the two that are in there do and so i think it makes a lot more sense uh, for leah to go in there just for that same reason like i said earlier her, her fortitude and in, in the mission so Well, what do you guys think of their plot that's revealed at the end of what they want to do to the vortex? Mm, yeah. Um, kind of clever because although I, I think it only fixes one element of the time lore by, by poisoning the well, so to speak, or the vortex, it doesn't allow them to utilize the vortex for time travel anymore, but it's not going to, stop a head-to-head -head war although i suppose the idea is that gallifrey is tucked away in such a way that you can only get there through time travel so maybe that you know them getting out or and the daleks getting in might be stymied a bit as well but i thought it was an interesting concept which is turned on its head later too so <laughs> yeah. which we'll talk yeah, about I I too kind of questioned the effectiveness of, of, of that. Um, and, and, and more would have liked to have had maybe a little more ecological, uh, background on what poisoning the time vortex would do mm -hmm. to the cosmos at large. Yeah. 
um, other than just render it unusable. But um, I, then I thought about it, and in fact, it wasn't until one of the later stories where a character mentions it, that by removing both sides' ability to time travel, you effectively neuter the time war elements. Yeah, right. That, that it can no longer be fought temporally right. throughout all of history and that it has to be an engagement between ships in one plane of existence. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that is actually a very huge deal right. when you can pare it down to just, okay, you go get your army and I'll go get my army and we'll face off on the field of battle versus, you know, wiping out histories of planets. Mm -hmm. It's true. Which it doesn't seem like of it's, it seems by doing that, it seems to, in my opinion, give the advantage more to the Daleks than the Time Lords. Yeah, I thought that true. as well. Yeah, that's <laughs> it seems like they would have the upper hand. But, but, as, maybe, but as somebody else mentioned, they could maybe get, rally other, you know, other species and other planets to help fight the the battle in order yeah. to well, it, put them down. It certainly would put more reliance on others by Gallifrey as opposed to how Right now, Gallifrey's just sort of, you know, trampling over any other ants in the way. But if you put them on the same playing field, then suddenly they're in need of that assistance and they're going to treat other um, races or other parties differently than they do now. Well, because then you could bring in the Santarans or... Yeah, and then I suppose it would be the entire universe against the Daleks. Right, right. Because one of us is evil, and the other one's a Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> I know who I would side with. <laughs> yep. Well, let's move on to dissolution. With wrong with with young Rayo in tow, Narvin looks for a respite in an ancient bolt hole and turns to an old mentor for help. But a Dalek has been hunting him through space and time, and it only get it will not give up his trail so easily. Bum, bum, bum. Hmm. Really? I really liked this one. See, I liked this story, but probably of the three, or of the four stories, this was my least favorite. And I think part of that is because it's just mostly character building and a way to sort of sideline um, Rayo. Yeah. Um. I like the idea of tapping into another part of uh, Narvin's past. And I really liked his interaction with the apothecary. Apothecary. <laughs> I can't say that word. Apothecary. Um, I really liked their interaction, but it's such a, it's, it's such a wind down from the story, the previous story that I maybe appreciate the breather, but I think maybe this breather needed to come a little later. I think maybe swapping this story with the next one might've helped a little bit. Um, but I, I don't want to take away from it because it, it was an enjoyable story. And the, the conflict between Narvin and Rayo here and how Rayo's sort of kind of, uh, coming into his own, and he's standing up now to Darwin, which is something that you didn't really feel him doing earlier on. He's now sort of being his own man. But then on the other hand, you know, he's he's <laughs> he's marveled by the fact that, you know, they grow their food at home. <laughs> and, <laughs> How so, good the food and I'm and I'm glad that he stayed behind to, to help her because he's going to have a life that he didn't have on Unity. So I liked that. And again, I don't poo-pooing this, but I didn't get it. I didn't wasn't ex as excited about this as this one as I was others. I I'm think I'm probably a little more in between more on a little more on Sean's side because I like the exploration of Narvin and who he used to be and, and you know why he is the way he is all of that stuff I found really interesting but it felt like at the same time well there's this whole other stuff going on that we should be spending our time with instead of this break mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it felt so much like twiddling our thumbs like it was supposed to be convincing Narvin to do something when I didn't think he wasn't going to do that anyways. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I don't feel like he needed enough of a convincing. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of my same uh, complaint about the next story. He he already had his motivations. He didn't. He didn't need anybody to motivate him more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He 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 knows what he's gonna do. He's gonna do the right thing, and and what he does do is the right thing. I mean, it's 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 who he is. It's what he does. So having this break to convince him to do the right thing didn't seem like it was necessary. And then at the same time, once the apothecary convinces him, I guess to go do the right thing, he seems to he didn't seem to waffle about it enough mm-hmm. i guess leaving on or didn't get a good enough convincing i don't know there was something about the the okay yep now i'm gonna go off and do this and it's gonna be fine <laughs> just felt so abrupt that i just it it was an enjoyable story exploring his backstory but in the whole i don't know if it works as well mm-hmm. sean tell us why we're wrong I, um, oh, well, gladly. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think for, well, first of all, I love Narvin. I, I think Narvin, I mean, uh, Ramana has obviously the nostalgia attached to her along with Leela as far as characters within the, the Gallifrey box sets. But Narvin is my favorite of the, you know, as it were, original creations from this world. I have loved Narvin from the get-go. Uh, I love everything about him. I love his uh, I love his pragmatism. I love the way he and Ramana bounce off of one another. I love the way that he is so very dedicated to Gallifrey that then to spend the last couple of box sets stripping all of that away from him. It's it's been, you know, really intriguing to see what's going to be left of this character, but also heart-wrenching because I, I genuinely feel for him. And so now we've taken Romana away from him and we've taken Leela away from him and we've saddled him with Leela's charge. This young kid that he, he, he doesn't quite know how to relate to, even though it's essentially him as a young man, but I'll get into that in a moment. And so for me, the, the break in the action came at just the right time. Because there's been a lot piled upon these characters. And then having this set kind of break everybody up and then spend a little bit of time here, a little bit of time there, a little bit of time here. It's like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. That's cool. That's a nice way of doing it. Um, for, for the way this is, you know, these guys have been split up. And so getting the backstory to Narvin and kind of delving into why he is the way that he is loved it i loved the whole concept of this um you know essentially a a gallifreyan monastery that's not on gallifrey it's a whole nother chapter and we've gone off here and the world is meant to be quiet contemplation on beauty and art and all this kind of stuff and narvin being narvin is like square peg round hole (laughs) you know this is not a scene i can see why he was just itching to get out of there Mm -hmm. and go join the cia (laughs) anything but this and then reyu has got you know this this very kind of similar mindset reyu has been coddled reyu has been looked after and and sheltered um first on unity by events you know kind of outside of his control and then you know uh, by leela who who you know is take him into this and now he's been swept up Luke Skywalker style into this this great fight and he's chomping at the bit to go do something and Narvin defaults to no you must be protected we're going to go find a quiet corner of the galaxy to settle down and 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 do nothing now Narvin doesn't want to do that but he doesn't know how to relate to this kid he 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 sees it as such a i don't want to say burden but it it, it is it is his his duty to take care of him for Leela. And, and so I found that to be very touching that, that Narvin took his, his friendship with Leela, even though at times they were anything but friends and, 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 you know, was, was that settled on it? And um, for all of the, the skin crawling that he had being back at home, that he knew this is what was best. And, I equated it to the first doctor 
how the first doctor has Susan and is so overprotective of her that he's grumpy all the time. And then once he is relieved of the, 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 the issue of taking care of her and making sure that she's safe and protected, that he can kind of go off and lighten up and have fun. For Narvin, it's once the apothecary is like, well, of course, Ray, you can stay here. And Rayu's good with that, that he's going to stay here because he has now found his purpose. It's not just the building of life. It's I've got to help her protect this world from this Dalek thing and how horrific that was to face one. So now Narvin's got that lifted off of him and he can go do the right thing. So it made total sense for me that he was able to flip on, on that dime, as it were, mm. because, well, he's taking care of this problem. Now that he doesn't have to look after Ryu, yes, he can go off and... And, and, and do the thing. He may not be happy about it because it's still pretty much a suicide mission, but but he can go do it. That's so, true. He's he's certainly unbridled from that responsibility by the end of this. So Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, I, I loved all of that. But again, it, it, it for me it just kind of purely revolved around oh boy, an Arvin story. I'm so excited. <laughs> and it, it's a it's a good character piece, so Well, let's move on to Beyond. Ramana met her fate on Unity, but Braxiatel isn't ready to give up on her. In a forbidden realm, he offers one last hope to escape the chaos of a universe at war. First, they must enter the Beyond and confront the ghosts and monsters within. Uh, I wanted to like this one. <laughs> I wanted to like this one, too. Yeah, um... I don't think I did. And most of the way through, I kind of enjoyed it until I realized it was pretty pointless. Well, strangely, I enjoyed the ride of this one. I thought it was interesting that it... Well, first of all, I was thrilled when he <laughs> materialized his TARDIS between <laughs> Ramana and the Daleks that were at the end of the last box set <laughs> exterminating uh, Ramana. Um so that yeah, was kind of cool, escape. and it's kind of the quick get in, and it almost puts Braxitel in a uh, a doctor position, which I thought was kind of interesting, especially since he's the doctor's brother. Um, but I'm with you. I, I I think I'm with you on this because I enjoyed listening to it, but it does come down to pointless, and then it's just really sort of it's the demise of Braxitel, you know. But and. Uh, it's not even because he escapes still. Well, he does and he doesn't. I mean, that particular I mean, version of him doesn't. But, yeah, that's uh, the problem. It, they leave. They leave. They leave an out is what they do. Um, but I, I like th what I liked about it was the the the, the philosophical discuss you know dis discussion of you know Braxtell's pretty set on finding this mythical weapon. And trying to convince Romana that it's it's the way to go, and Romana continues to to counter that by questioning whether it really is the right way to end the war, and all the meantime being passed, uh, you know, uh, run down by the ravenous, in these situations that they're coming into because they're sort of traveling back through empty timelines, and so they're getting. A, to get into the beyond, they have to kind of step backwards and continue, you know, go from place to place to find a particular TARDIS in order to take them back further each time. So that was kind of fun. But yeah, when you get to the end and, and, and you know, his future self, his older self is, is there guarding the door and then asking, and then basically it's not a weapon to stop the time war. Essentially, it's just if Braxitel and Romana go through to a universe where the time war doesn't exist. And so it's kind of this empty, empty MacGuffin once you get there. Um, so I, I, I was a little disappointed by that, but I think I enjoyed the ride of this. Yeah, the ride of it is really cool and really clever of them jumping backward through this beyond of aborted timelines of what could have been and, and the philosophical philosophical exploration of the, of the Romana that did these things. Mm. However, even though we're poised with the idea that there's this, this other version of Romana that did these things and a different had our Romana taken a different path, mm. this would have been her. I never get the feeling that she is even ever tempted to actually use 
the weapon, the weapon at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, she was never gonna do it, even though it takes two for to operate it supposedly. So I never bought the fact that she was gonna help him use this weapon to end the time war. Um, and then we get there, and it's not a weapon, and and it just kind of all falls apart at the end. And this is the story in the box set to me that felt the most pointless and felt like it was unnecessary. Mm. We, especially where the next story picks up, we didn't even need this story. <laughs> no, we really don't. Yeah. In fact, the Daleks it, just didn't it, kill her. It, yeah, there exactly. You go. That's it, it easily could have just picked up. And this is where Romano, you know, ends up being. I and, suppose and, it's nice in a way to have confirmation that, Braxiatel survives and is now effectively out of harm's way. But, but we, but we kind of knew that, didn't we? Yeah. Didn't he? He ran off with Ace at the end of his last story, right? Yeah. Her so off I never Earth. had question of where he was or what yeah. he was doing. He was off yeah, doing same. that. So and, it's and, not and now like I'm wor- now I'm worried about Ace. I was like, so, well, what happened? Right, and not even yeah. mention of well, Ace. I'm I'm not worried about Ace because we got that that was finalized. They she basically she her mind was wiped, her memory was wiped from those events, and she just hears a TARDIS leaving and wonders if perhaps that was the Doctor, and then goes off you know back home to do Earth things and does not remember uh, her adventures uh, in you know at least in Galfer. I mean obviously she remembers her her adventures with the seventh doctor, but anything she's done since then, uh, she doesn't remember the, you know, her, her, uh, working for the CIA or helping Gallifrey or, or any of that. Uh, so she doesn't remember any of that. So, right. so Ace is fine. Ace has been played. In fact, now Ace I mean, we is able to show up in power of the doctor. doctor. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, uh, uh, childhood's in, but, um, yeah, so I, I didn't have a problem with that. I think ultimately what this is, this this whole box set, before we get to the last story, this whole box set is really kind of tying up all of the loose ends and putting everything into a nice, you know, th- this is it. This is the last story in Gallifrey Time War and presumably the last story for Gallifrey for a while because the next set is, is uh, the War Council stuff. So... That we're getting in so all of these characters have been basically that's what they've done is they've sort of set all of these characters aside now and and finished up their their storylines for this you know big culmination especially in this next story but let's say, let's give mm-hmm. sean a, a little bit of chance to talk on this one well i think again this was kind of the okay there's some you know i yes i cheered when he rescued ramana yay oh we've got to go through these aborted timelines okay that's going to be cool and then it stopped being cool because so much of the aborted timeline to me and maybe i'm wrong but you you guys let me know it sure felt like it was borrowed from other stories now i get that it's aborted so this was a timeline that didn't happen but the spaceship that is oh she's dying and repeating this last moment over and over again well we've had that story it was it was a different spaceship but there was a woman on a spaceship with a beast dying over and over and over again. And Romana and, and Narvin were part of it. In the last box set. <laughs> so we, we got that, but yet that wasn't it. And then we dropped the bomb that, well, Romana's the one that sent them here. Well, a different Romana anyway. Okay. I never, I never bought that. The whole well, you you were you were upset, and you know they killed Leela, and you wanted revenge, so you commissioned them to come over here and do this. And it's like, I you know, even in a mirror universe, I don't know that I could buy. <laughs> you you would really have to set up some very heavy duty, serious world building for me to buy a Romana that was that vengeful. Mm. And so the fact that, oh, it's an aborted timeline, it didn't actually happen. Well, that doesn't really help me because I don't believe that it happened in the first place. I needed more. I needed more for that to, to carry any kind of emotional weight. So then we move into the next part and we bring the ravenous back. And it's like, okay, that's kind of a cool twist that they've shown back up. Oh, except that they're devouring everything in sight because of the multiple Time Lord deaths here and the paradoxical nature of that. It's like, oh, okay. And then, oh, well, this weapon, it's going to obliterate whatever you whatever dial you turn it to. It, it, it wipes them out, but it removes them from all of time. 
okay, didn't we have that weapon in a previous story? They even referenced the anti-Genesis code. Yep. Yeah. So, okay, we, we're, we're kind of backtracking along that line again, only to find out, no, it's not a weapon. It's this doorway that goes into a dimension where there are no Daleks. And it's like, oh, okay, so this is how we're going to tie into the, the Eighth Doctor uh, uh, stories where he was in a universe with no, nope, it's just kind of a side parallel thing that didn't actually go there, but seemed like that's where it was going. Mm. I didn't, I hadn't considered that, but because I didn't think of that at the time, but I suppose I could see how that kind of puts a damper on that because it, if you think that that's where th- what's on the other side of that portal and they might be connecting that in some way, I guess that would be kind of a disappointment. You see what I mean? I mm-hmm. mean, it just, it just, it felt like a whole bunch of, false starts that may be connected, but then ultimately, well, there are boarded timelines, so we're not actually going to connect anything. And I don't know if that was the intent. I don't know if the whole point of this is that because it's an aborted timeline, yes, we are deliberately making these callbacks to these previous Mm. things. Or if it was just weird happenstance that they all kind of sort of I, were things that we've dealt with. I think, somebody would have, I, it, it, I think it was weird it happenstance. It hurts to you're, me that somebody at Big Finish would have said continuity-wise, yeah, well, we've no, done that. You're, cer- you know? you're certainly mm-hmm. right. And I think what you're pointing out is valid, but I think it, I think it is happenstance. Because I don't, I don't think the situations are similar enough. Does that make sense? They, they are echoes of things that we've had before, but when... They're not similar enough because I think because you're framing other elements around that as well. So it's easy to see shadows of these other these ideas that had, have already come right. before. But because we're using this, these as kind of stepping stones for our path to the end of this story. I, to me, I don't think they connect well enough to say oh it just feels like they've re- retread this and and, well, and maybe and that's maybe that's why purposely. maybe that's why nobody at big Finish threw up a red flag and say oh we've done this yeah because if, if they had purposely were, were calling back to things stuff i would have thought romana would have mentioned it yeah it would have been more pointed yeah you know th- th- this is very familiar this yeah. is an echo of something that has happened right and then he can come back and say, well, it's an aborted timeline. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah. it may seem. Okay, I'd be on board with that. It but they didn't better, go there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the fact that they didn't tells me that, well, I don't think it was intentional, which yeah. really just kind of, I don't know, it, it gave, gave off a weird vibe there. And then, you know, ultimately, okay, so it's a doorway and you can leave. Ramana, do you want to come with? Uh <laughs> No, no. <laughs> I, she, she's going to think about that for all of two seconds and be like, I can't leave. I've got a responsibility and, you know, pretty much word for word what she said. And it was like, yeah, I, come on, Brax, tell you know that she's not going to go with you on this. But I guess you had to try. Well, but so even yeah, they, no, but but see, that's older Brax to tell. Well, older her to go through because yeah. younger yeah. Braxitel decides no, he's he's going to go back and find another way to finish the time war. That he feels also like this is sort of just the, the coward's way out, and so that's why he turns back because he's actually going to go find another way. He's you know determined to find something else. And according to Tardis Wiki, he's eaten by the the, the rabbits. Yeah, he, Did you, you guys get that? Oh yeah, yeah, I totally got that. I didn't. That's get, why I, I said I that version that. of Braxitel was dead. was dead. Yeah, he was devoured. Now, it seems on the surface a paradox because there's the older version of him there, but we have not even scratched the surface of Raxatel's story and his timeline and backstory is much more even more complex than some of the stuff they've done with Ace. So, <laughs> it doesn't surprise well, me. <laughs> and when there's alternate versions of, you know, even narvin in this story yes, it's right okay an older alternate version of brax isn't that surprising but yeah just to go ahead and end it you know the way it ended and i agree it was just kind of like well there wasn't much point to that mm-hmm. followed by the kickoff of the next story where romana is bum 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 once again, a prisoner of the Daleks. Well, she's so, like, yeah, oh. she sort of returned to the same point <laughs> that she was left from if, for the finale of this thing. And when that happens, I said, wow, how did she even get there? And then, like, right. 
two minutes later, we finally get an explanation. Well, let's move on to Homecoming. Rassilon receives an ultimatum from an envoy of the Dalek Emperor while Nila, while Leela and Narvin return with a dangerous strategy to end the Time War. All roads lead to Gallifrey. For some, this is where the fight will end. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, Sean, go ahead and go first this time. This one, um, almost Avengers level mm-hmm. in the, the, the cherry on top of the coming together of all of these separate threads mm-hmm. uh, and, and plot lines and, and characters to go up against, um, you know, this threat. And we, we've got a truly fantastic new Dalek weapon. Uh, the, the fact that they can move through null space and, and just appear over Gallifrey is like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Uh, and much more plausible than moving planets around, <laughs> creating reality <laughs> bombs, whatever we're going to do this week. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so that was great. Uh, the 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 interplay and the 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 grandstanding from both the Dalek Emperor and Rassilon were fantastic. Both of which have now elevated to their themselves to a godlike status. Yes, and and, and the fact that that's the the sticking point. Mm-hmm. There can be only one god of time. Really, that's where we're at. <laughs> Ego much? Okay. Um, and I, I think it's interesting in a lot of ways too that. The it, it, it's the, the Daleks have always been chilling. Mm-hmm. Daleks with the added religious fervor when they start screaming blaspheme, blaspheme, and 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 literally blasting the, the heretic. It's like wow, things you guys did not need mm-hmm. <laughs> because. You're 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 kind of you're kind of berserk as it is, and and now adding that level to it is just like they they almost get scarier for for having attained that level of of, of fanatical faith, which is not a, a word that you would normally you know attribute to a Dalek. Mm-hmm. So that, I thought that was cool. Um, I I loved uh, you know, again Narvin being the hero and coming to uh, the, the rescue of. Uh, of everybody, really, yeah. <laughs> with his little stealth TARDIS that uh, that Ares built. Um, I loved Leela. The agency that she has been given in this story is just truly amazing and outstanding, and no fear. And uh, you know, it doesn't matter who you set in front of her. The Daleks, okay, I'll go get you. You know, the Dalek Emperor, I'm going to kill him. Rassilon. As soon as I kill all the rest of the Daleks, I'm coming for you. <laughs> and, you know, just the, the, the stone cold fire in her belly. And, and now I have decided that if Big Finish really wants my money, not that they don't already have it all, um, that they could do a whole series of Leela pairing up with Absalom Dak. listening big finish this is a freebie i'm giving this one to you you put these two together and turn them loose i will listen to another two years of time war (laughs) for for those stories one the fact that she just instantly pivots as soon as romana shows up of oh nope nope abandoning plan we're going to rescue her first yeah yeah and 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 the, the the scenes in particular between her and Romana, because I'd mentioned previously. Yes, this is where you I, finally get that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. I, I got what I needed. Mm-hmm. I got that acknowledgement and you know an apology and a yeah okay I'm happy again. Although, with where we all wind up, it really does make the unity story in the previous set all the much weaker because there was no reason for Romana to have done what she did there. Yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, it's in the past. Yeah. With a little inside baseball though, they weren't sure that they were going to be able to get Lala Ward back to do this final set. And so that's why they left it where they left it. But mm. had this, had they not come to this, uh, this conversation that they have in this one, that would have made me even more upset with the absence of it in uh, Unity. And so yeah. I'm, I'm glad that she was able to come back because I think it kind of, to me, it kind of 
rectifies that situation that that they left us with. So now I, I have to throw out a a, a a a a love letter to Mantis. Mm. Um, the actor who who plays Mantis is incredibly effective at being the slimy politician. Mm-hmm. The the uh, you know the member of the War Council that has fangs and is all too happy to squeal uh, on you to wrestle on if if uh, if needs be. And the fact that he he has all this power and all of this wherewithal to do stuff and get away with stuff, and yet is just this absolutely slimy guy. He, he's he's a lot of fun as a villain. Mm-hmm. And so when we get to the moment where Rassilon says, go, fight the war, lead the thing, they're all like, what? (laughs) We're politicians. We're not soldiers. (laughs) Dead stop. What? (laughs) He's just so blindsided by it. Well, because all, all the way up to that point, he's been trying to weasel his way out of things and still elevating himself to the side of uh uh Rassilon, even though Rassilon is completely sending this guy to his death yeah in every step that's made and as olivia is going well that's the end of that and he goes oh come on you can't expect our presence like dude right. you're still defending exactly. him he just threw you to the lions yeah. i mean come on <laughs> so when he eventually turns as we all knew he would <laughs> And goes running off to quote unquote negotiate with the Daleks. <laughs> I have the biggest cat that ate the canary expression on my face <laughs> listening to this. And I, I'm I mean, I'm salivating. Get him. Get him. <laughs> and uh, full props again to the actor. All I can think of is Robert Vaughn. And his character, specifically from Superman 3, that he's mm. that level of kind of just yeah. cheesy villain. But, but yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, dude, you're going to get wrapped up by the machine wires. They're going to get you. <laughs> and, and then, of course, they did exterminate him. And I was extremely happy mm-hmm. over that. I, I, I very much can't tell you how happy I was that mm-hmm. they offed him. And then I was actually a little sad that, uh, that Libya got offed. Yeah, um, but yeah. they really... Not s- unexpected. No, but-, but they really sort of give her a little bit of that heroic moment that her and Narvin are off to go now use the the device to poison the null space, which I thought that was, that was the cool revelation of this, I thought, was the mm. fact that the Daleks have shown up and completely caught Gallifrey off guard. How did they get here? There's no evidence of them tra- time traveling they just pop in and show up and then when it's revealed that they're using this null space engine in order to circumvent having to use the vortex it was like oh wow they've got a new and this this totally gives them the upper hand right now and so to have set it up in the beginning with something that they can poison the uh vortex with also, they decide can be used to neuter this uh, in in null space uh, engine. I thought that was very cool. It was a nice way to kind of bring that back around. And so to have Narvin and uh, Nivia be the ones that are going off to detonate that. And then, you know, Narvin's still having a way out with that transmat uh, bracelet mm-hmm. that doesn't work. And it's like, oh, no. But did you guys notice at the end, did you hear Eris in the background? Mm-hmm. He's yeah. he's calling in. So I think what they did is they gave us a an out for Narvin. I don't think Narvin's dead. Did. I think that I think yeah. Eris pops in at the last minute and rescues Narvin. Now, Livia's gone. There was we. It was very much told to us that there was she no was way she was going on to her way out the door. Yeah, she was not going to recover from that anyway. So in fact, that's why she was volunteering. To, to do that and that's why she was also telling narvin he needed to use that transmat to get out of there so yeah so but when i heard when i heard eris i was like oh um we're not quite leaving leaving him out there <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah, if, if if this winds up being the end of Narvan, I am I am I am satisfied yet sad that mm-hmm. it's the end of Narvan. If he managed to pull fast one and continues to live to fight again, I am extremely happy for mm-hmm. Narvan. <laughs> yeah. Although I had to also think to myself, okay, they built one no space engine or however many. Don't just, they have more? Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just because you destroy one, they know how to make them. I'll tell you, I <laughs> this isn't taking away that ability. I, I, I'm hoping maybe, maybe I'm trying to fix it that the the arrogance of the emperor in this is enough that maybe this was the one, <laughs> and he thought and this is all he, this is all they needed, right? And it, and it, and also, I, I kind of wondered if maybe poisoning the null space engine in turn does the same thing that it would have done with the vortex where if all of the vortex would have been poisoned maybe null space is yeah null space is now you know ruined so that they couldn't pop through there no matter whether they made another engine or not so i really sort of liked the way because i did not want to see and they couldn't have killed her again because they tried to do that in the last box set. But I really kind of like the idea of the academic and the archivist from the academy being put away, archived herself, in another universe. I thought that while it was a sad and kind of heart-wrenching ending, it was a nice way to put Romana aside without wiping her out entirely. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and I think they left Leela in the right, you know, the right spot as well. That, you know, as, mm-hmm. as you said, as soon as she's done killing Daleks, she's coming for Rassilon. Oh, now <laughs> I want that story. I want, I, I'm serious. I want Leela to be the reason that Rassilon regenerates into the Timothy Dalton. He, we 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 have failed to mention how amazing Richard oh. Armitage is as Rassilon. Yeah. Oh, throughout his this box set, knowing he was there, I'm like, they're barely using him. Yeah, what is going because he's on? barely what used is... in that first story, and or throughout the rest of the box set, and then he finally shows up in this, and he is fantastic yeah, and wonderful, and he still could have been used more, in my opinion, because he's so good, and he so bridges that gap between the last Rassilon we had. And Timothy and Dalton. Timothy Dalton. You yeah. can almost hear in Timothy fact, Dalton in his voice. In fact, yes. at my first thought before I looked at the cover and realized they put him on the cover, my first thought was, "Well, they've given up on waiting on Timothy Dalton to to sign up to play Rassilon in audio, so they're giving it to somebody that can <laughs> emulate him in, in 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 such a way, but also kind of make it his own." Now he was he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, not Timothy Dalton, but hit all of the, okay, I'll allow it buttons for me. <laughs> so, Almost scarier than Timothy Dalton, though. Yeah, in a way. The ferocity ferocity he has was just so much stronger. Mm-hmm. Well, in that one when he gives the speech and, and is talking about dissidents will be exterminated. Yeah. And it's like, ooh, <laughs> you went there, huh? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was he was really good. So I didn't know about it until listening to the bonus features that apparently at one point RTD had talked about somewhere, and I think it's in canon that Lila, or that Ramana had been archived essentially. Oh, <laughs> and that's where she was during the latter part of the time yeah. war. And... Well, I know he said that he had answered somebody's question when they asked where where was Ramana, and he said. He had said Romana was no longer president at the time of the time time war, and I don't remember what else. Maybe that's when he said that she'd been archived. That might have been, yeah. So this is them setting that up. That's a nice so, full circle, well, then. Yeah, but still open enough that Leela could come break her out anytime. I like that the uh, Dalek Emperor called her prisoner unit one one seven, <laughs> which is a callback to that story. Way back in the main range, that was her very to. first one. Yeah, um, where they have her as prisoner, or where she's apocalypse recounting the, element. Yeah. Right? yeah, apocalypse element. That was it. Yeah, I thought that was cool. <laughs> I, I even, I we didn't mention it when we did volume three, but they even reference it then too. They call her that at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
What, what I also liked about the story is not only is it a great culmination to this box set, but it's a great culmination to all four volumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really feels like it ties up all of the loose lands and then sets us off on a new path also at the mm-hmm. same exact time. I, th- I didn't think about it, but I guess an Avengers description is yeah pretty apt. I mean, it, it, it wraps up <laughs> the previous phase and, you know, sets up the table for the future. I like when they did it excitingly. <laughs> they're crawling through the floor <laughs> the space floor. and uh, they're Leela's worried about them getting caught or being seen. And they said, we'll be all right as long as they don't look down. And then later on, they exterminate, exterminate. And then they <laughs> she look goes, down. they look down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such good stuff. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I, yeah, I, I agree with, with both of you, this was this is sort of at a Avengers level finale where you kind of just throw everything that you've had before at it and and wrap it up really nicely. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from one to thirty. That's our doctor. Then one to three hundred for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. All right, Sean, well, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule, uh... We return to Season 6B with the Past Doctor Adventures BBC book World Game. And then uh, I'm not sure where we're going to go. We probably should just only tease that. The Vortex is in a state of flux. The the Vortex is in a state of flux. Um, We should mention also, too, we're going to take a two-week hiatus, so you won't hear us back next week. It'll be the following week after that. um, That will bring you that review. Um, we're going to give ourselves a, a little uh, quarter of the year break in order to uh, regather and, and uh, have time to really delve into this next one. All right. Well, uh, you can find us at our website, travelthevortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on that Patreon link on our website and support us there. And when you become a patron of the uh, podcast, you do unlock other specials and other audios from us. And uh, we actually got a couple more that we're working on right now that's going to go up very soon. Uh, if you just give one, even just $1 a month, I mean, more than that would be great, but even $1 helps us out here. Just if everybody gave $1, that would just um, go above and beyond and uh, be able to get, uh, you know even do much more things than, than we even bring now. So... Also consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. Anything else we need to touch on before we close this one? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.